0: Hello and welcome to the sixth podcast, the Six Carriers Edge podcast. I am the primary co-founder, Jane Jezraoui, and here is my definitely lower level sub- (laughs) other co-founder.
1: She's trying to get a diss in here, but she can't even get the sentence out. (laughs) Off to a great start here as usual, Yes. The secondary oh, co-founder. My name is Mark Morrell. But you notice how long it took her to actually figure out what her name and title is. Did it's you even I say your to... name?
0: I don't know, but I'm Jane Jazrawi.
1: <laughs> and we are off to a fantastic start, as always.
0: Fabulous.
1: And Jane doesn't know what's on the schedule for. Today I don't. As well. So
0: what is on the schedule for today, Mark?
1: Well, I don't know.
0: Give me the paper, I'll read no. it. Uh,
1: I was thinking, i uh, got a couple of things to go through, but we do have to acknowledge that we're a little bit behind on our schedule. We are. Uh, we try to do these every three weeks or so, but it's been uh, a little bit longer because we had vacation over Christmas.
0: How was sort your vacation, of. Jane? Oh, my vacation was very restful for Excellent. like one of the days. <laughs> <laughs> Once you, the problem with vacation is once you actually stop stressing about everything that you're stressing about and get a chance to relax, then you only have there's like 36 hours left, and then you have to do laundry.
1: There's so, always laundry, right? There's
0: always laundry. Laundry. Well, our laundry goes away quite a bit over holidays because nobody, nobody actually goes anywhere.
1: Because our children. We don't have don't the weirdest. Yeah,
0: we have the <laughs> weirdest holidays. We just want to stay in our house and not. And not speak to anybody.
1: <laughs> well, we also We're got shut burned ins. a little bit this time, this year for holidays, because normally we try and take the full week off between Christmas and New Year's and just shut down. But all of the people that worked for us booked time off I know. in advance. They beat us to it. So they had all these, uh, all these people had their time off booked. So we had to stick around. Somebody's got to be monitoring. We got to
0: book our time off first.
1: I know. Yes. Yeah. Next
0: year, that's what we have to do. This year was we'll weird, We have pull though. rank
1: on them or something.
0: Well, we could have said you can't have all that time off, and then there would have been a lot of passive aggression.
1: <laughs> they would be just working with yes. air quotes. Yes. <laughs> I'll so, work. Yeah. Uh,
0: watch me do this quality work.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't think we've ever actually said no to somebody no. asking for time off. No. I don't really even keep track of it. Shh. Um, They keep track of it, so I don't really need to.
0: Well, I've got it in status reports, so...
1: Yeah, I could go back and look at it, but I don't know. I trust them, I guess. So we had a fine vacation. We did. um, And our uh, DVR of all of our shows and things got shrunk down a little bit. Do you know
0: what's interesting? That we are watching, we're binge-watching the show The Americans, which we had decided we were going to watch like yeah and, and we were going to watch it. we wanted to watch it but we couldn't get all the episodes because of stupid canadian cable and so we finally got all the episodes or figured out how are we we were going to be able to watch a whole first season and then i realized that at the same time that we're watching the americans which is basically about russian spies impersonating americans the whole election is going on and all the Russia stuff is going on, so it's all really Over the surreal. the holidays, all this business about Russia hacking Russia elections hacking. and
1: stuff. Yes. And
0: we're watching the Americans, it's like, ooh, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that, but that's a good point. I'm enjoying it as a, yes. a period piece reflecting and, on the 80s. And, and
0: see if, yes, that's right, there's a lot of 80s stuff. And, set
1: in the early And 80s. trying
0: to say the names.
1: Yes, all of these character names. And there's a lot of people speaking Russian on it. So yeah. it's, a, it's a show that's on FX network. And apparently this and very
0: it's, good Russian.
1: Yes, it's, uh was critically regarded. So we And there's a lot of it.
0: Russian, like people yeah. who actually speak Russian who are doing it. It's yeah. not people learning to speak Russian. They're actually speaking Russian.
1: Mm-hmm. Except for the people playing the Russian agents, the main stars, who are American and Welsh.
0: Well one's Welsh. One's
1: Yeah, one's American, one's Welsh.
0: Yeah. Carrie Russell?
1: Yeah. Is it Carrie Russell?
0: Yeah, she's not Welsh.
1: So that's what we've been up to. Binge watching T V shows.
0: Well no, after well, that was only during the holidays.
1: That was us decompressing after the insanity that was the uh, the best fleets program mm-hmm. for the year and trying to get all of the other stuff.
0: Because um, one of the ways that we decompress, or the main way we decompress, is trying to find something that requires no thought but is entertaining. Mm-hmm. And it's not so it has to be no thought but has to be uh, an intelligent thing. It can't be just I can't watch like Survivor or Desperate Housewives or anything like that. I don't want to watch that, but I want to watch something that. Is actually where you have to you have to be taken out of your day to day world. It has to be really consuming. So, like apparently, there's a new Sherlock uh, episode that just came out. Oh, cool! Yeah, so uh, apparently, people last night were telling me that it's coming out. We haven't watched it yet. It was one of the things that takes us out of our world, mm, absolutely. And uh, other show, the like Game of Thrones, is a really good one for taking you out of your world. Mm-hmm. We're yeah, all into of these science cable fiction shows now. That uh, yeah. All these HBO the nice shows, oh!
1: Yes, so now though we have got back to work. We
0: do. We have got back to work. Although, what is this?
1: Like the third week of January, you know, and already we're sort of crammed.
0: waiting for the next holiday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we've had a lot going on, uh, yes. And just reviewing it at our staff call uh, this morning, there was tons of things that are coming up for release and just about to be released, and of course the big one. Is uh, Spanish that's going live? Uh, it's going live today. Uh, our first Spanish courses, and and that's
0: one of the reasons that I thought it was interesting to talk about the Americans with the Russian subtitles and how people speak in different languages because we don't speak Spanish or or we're not fluent in French. Like none of us are fluent in French and that kind of thing. But what there is is there's like. Consistency between languages, no matter what you're speaking, and it's to do with pacing and, and spacing and that kind of thing. And and so I was talking about that to um, one of my developers today. It's about you know you don't really have to understand the language in order to do audio as long as you understand how people speak.
1: Hmm. Yeah. This came up. When we were having a discussion earlier about the whole quality control process and. Uh, this is our first venture into Spanish. And this is our the fourth different language that we've done mm-hmm. now, but it's the first time we're doing Spanish. But there are things that are the same no matter what. Uh, you know, French. We have a rough idea of it, and Spanish is not that different. So there's enough of it around that you get a sense of it. But when we did Punjabi, it's totally different. Um, from anything that we've heard, but at the same time, you start listening through these things, and you start to pick up the pacing it's of rhythm. the language, the rhythm of the language, and there are phrases that come up over and over throughout a course that you start to understand.
0: Because we know what the phrases are in English, so yeah. they're at the same point, like, you know what titles are, you know what, you know, after this, after you've completed this course, you'll be able to, you know, where that comes in. Mm-hmm. You, you know, how people read bullet points is the same pretty much in all languages. <laughs> it's yeah. not, you know, well, you don't read a bullet point differently.
1: Things like uh, click the link for more information yeah. on, you know, you start to pick that up in different languages. And it's very interesting to sort of watch uh, how that manifests itself in different languages. But We were having this discussion about the whole issue of quality control because we were sort of going through some stuff, um, getting some new people ramped up and getting them to understand the process, the quality control process for audio and even simple things like when you're doing a narration, how much pause should there be in between paragraphs? Um, Because we had a situation where all of the pauses had been removed between paragraphs. So it's just like this unending stream of this person's narration. I guess not unlike listening to me talk some days, but...
0: Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. But
1: that's not natural. So that's not what we want to put out in the product. So <laughs> we're going through this whole thing. You put thing. on
0: your natural voice very nicely for the podcast.
1: Well, but... It's an issue is sort of making sure that you've got the right amount of of pacing and the right amount of pauses and the quality of the audio is not uh, saved at a lower quality. So it sounds uh, crappy. People have to listen to this for an hour or an hour and a half. It's got to be easy on the ears to listen to. And that's a, a challenge. And there's lots of little things like you were pointing out some little artifacts in the audio that you don't really notice the first time you hear it. But after 50 pages of it. It starts to subconsciously distract you and it becomes Mm -hmm. something that people can't pay attention to. So
0: Well, you're just listening to the yucky audio. Like nobody really wants to listen to something that's not of good quality. So I have a really hard time. I I can't let that go. So it seems really picky, but to you know, for someone who's watching it like what you call it from the front of the stage, you don't mm -hmm. when you don't know what goes into into that Recording audio is not just sitting down at a microphone and talking. I mean, this audio. Well, not even this audio, because you edit some of the more disgusting noises that we make out of this.
1: Well, we do mastering and processing mm-hmm. to make it sound a little bit more pleasant on the uh, ears. The, the, on the, the ears. Yeah, the, it's not so much pitch. It's the, uh, the EQ and compression and things like that to make it sound more even and a more balanced sound.
0: And we do that with uh, with audio like audio for the, yeah, for the courses as well same thing. because i mean it's there are weird pronunciations that have to be edited out and then there's weird pauses and breaths and it, you just you can't just have someone just talk mhm it doesn't sound all that nice
1: yeah so that's something that we work on and we were talking about this earlier while getting set up for the podcast because you know i pointed out that as much as we're really picky on these things well We still end up putting out courses that have problems sometimes. I mean, we're not perfect in this. We we go over these things and over them and you read the text and you proof it and then you go through and you do quality control as a check on all of the interactions and the images and things like that. But even after going through that process and having the internal version of it and then have partners that review it and things like that, there's still stuff that gets out into the field that has mistakes and it always amazes me that because as soon as somebody points it out you see it and it's like oh man how did how did that get missed uh, and we get them fixed and as soon as somebody points it out it gets fixed but there's uh, you know there's just no way to make There's it a perfect. lot
0: of there's a lot of moving parts to a yeah, course and I don't sure. know if people um understand that if they haven't built something like that yeah. so i mean it starts with like what people see are the images, the audio, and the interactivity. And really it's all a matter of is it correct? Does it work? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that people see. Is it right. correct and does it work? Yeah. And everything else should be almost ignored. So the instructional design, how we're how we're imparting this information, all of that, is it correct? Is it accurate? Does it accurately reflect what people do in a day? That is all huge amounts of work that gets done at the front. Mm-hmm. And we spend an awful lot of time on that. And then the other the other activities, like things like you know a test question that may have the wrong answer, well, usually that is a really minor thing, like usually because in the in our system, as when we put it out, we select the right answer that you're supposed to choose. Every once in a while, I would say one time in 200, we select the wrong answer by mistake. And that looks, to the outside world, that looks huge, but it's really not. If we had the right answer, we just just messed it up. And it's a really quick fix.
1: Or somewhere along the line, somebody was uh, checking it and and trying something, and they flipped it. It was correct when you first did it, but something got checked. And and I I see this in other documents or other things where people... um, are about to close something and save it and they hit something on their keyboard I see this all the time when I'm looking at news articles online something gets posted and there's like a, a, a new paragraph in the middle of a sentence or something like that. Yeah. There's a carriage return in the wrong place. And you look at it and you think, "Ugh, what is the quality control with these people? But I know exactly what it is because these people have these online editing tools for creating and posting all of their articles. And you go to save it and you hit the return one extra time yep. Well, you've got an extra carriage return in the middle of your article and you've already proved it. You think it's good to go and you send it, you submit it and boom, that happens. And sometimes the way the workflow is that people do those things and it goes live uh, sort of after that happens and you don't necessarily have a chance particularly the media people that are really busy with lots of things. Um, They don't always have a chance to go back and do a full review of the things after. And you see it in all kinds of different uh, places, you know, media and all sorts of things. So that stuff happens to us sometimes as well as you get these bugs and that, you know, we really rely on the the community of uh, customers and users to uh, point those out when they see them. We certainly hate having them in there, but we got to.
0: It's very rare that the information is wrong.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Like that, I don't think.
1: No, most of the time it's like a typo or there's something where somebody, some flip. Uh, switched, was or the wrong regulations or like have
0: changed and one of the questions hasn't changed or the one of the questions wasn't updated that goes with it, that kind of thing which I know is super annoying for people who are trying to do a test or whatever um, and that's why we get it changed as fast as we can but sometimes that's what ends up happening and I gotta say, as a service man can just just yeah. lay off because all the bitsy edits that we keep yeah, having the to endless do changes. I know every time you know, every time I see one of the uh, the log sheets, I'm just like, oh, I don't even know if it's correct. I don't want to know. I don't even want to look at this anymore. Give me e logs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, so uh, we've been having that fun with uh, with the Spanish course and uh, getting that all done. But careful. Yes, but that's done now, and uh, don't so Spanish, wreck the place. Spanish is out. Um, full length hours of service mm-hmm. of course and mini courses coming later this week as well.
0: And probably in the spring, defensive driving.
1: Yes, later in the spring, we'll uh, be doing defensive driving as well. At some point, we will finish the Punjabi hours of service and get that out. Um,
0: well, I think there are things that people are much more interested in having us do than yeah. Punjabi hours of service or Punjabi defensive driving.
1: No, it's hours of service. It's defensive driving is, is done. But okay. we have the translation finished.
0: Okay, we'll
1: so do it. We paid well, there's the been translation a, of, a year ago. Yeah,
0: there's been a couple of things that have been more important than that. One of them is FISMA. Absolutely, so, yeah. And that'll be, that's on track for the end of End of January. this month,
1: yeah. So that's And we won't been, talk
0: about it anymore.
1: No, because we've talked about it in like three different podcasts now. So we're going to not talk about FISMA until the next podcast when, when it's live. When it will live. be released. Yes, and it'll be an exciting new thing there. So um, one other thing that I wanted to talk about, um, because it just occurred to me that um, as this podcast is, uh, is going out, um, the latest issue of the Truckload Authority uh, seems to have hit the streets this week or last week, featuring our two page spread. And
0: uh, the nastiest picture ever. It.
1: <laughs> so we can now spend the next five minutes or ten minutes just apologizing for the uh, the pictures that are in there. Oh, which we I don't are think
0: not. is not they're not terrible okay. pictures. So we'll, we don't like them. We because... will just be
1: publicly cringing about those pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't
0: know if anybody really likes.
1: Nobody likes looking at their yeah. own pictures. But it did occur we're to me. We're not that.
0: We're not that pretty.
1: No. No.
0: <laughs> we're smart instead.
1: Well, so we tell ourselves. <laughs>
0: That's a consolation.
1: <laughs> We're good enough. I'm smart enough. <laughs> and doggone it, people like me.
0: I know, you just don't think that. You think, oh, it'd be really cool if there was a you know, an article about us and then you see the reality and think, Oh
1: <sighs> we uh, sent you those pictures.
0: Sorry about that.
1: <laughs> well, it also occurred to me that maybe we should talk about the picture of us in the backyard and why that picture, where it, how it came okay. about, because so
0: what you really need to do is find a copy of truckload Truckload Authority, either in paper. All TCA or members
1: on, get it, yeah, and it's also it's online through the trucker website, I think. So the I trucker, think, the trucker publishes it.
0: Doesn't TCA have it somewhere on their website? Probably, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's on like page fifty. Something like that. Something like that, and there's one picture. We had to go and get uh, official pictures taken but we were so bagged we were so tired in the month of November which is when we got these pictures taken and we were just dragging ourselves to the uh, photo studio because we we're in the middle of best fleets um, there was all kinds of stuff going on like our calendars were just filled with things we just moved from it was sort of like okay what's next on the schedule what's next I, I would have liked a handler you know one of those people who just Moves you from place to place and make sure you get there on time. I mm-hmm. want one of those. Mm-hmm. I see them on TV. I want one. Okay. I guess it's like an assistant. Yeah. Yeah, we can't can't justify that, but I would like one. So we end up dragging ourselves to this photo shoot and ended up just. I think we we're just so tired that it looks like we're just so tired. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I'm happy here. I am smiling, but really, <laughs> I want to go to sleep.
1: Yeah. Yes, that is absolutely the story of that picture, but that's not the picture I was You're thinking You're talking,
0: of. I know, the pool picture.
1: Yes, so, because um, this started, I guess it was last fall when we first launched the Best Fleets program and we were talking to TCA about publicity and, and doing some stuff and the it idea... Was a year
0: ago last fall.
1: No, it was last fall when we launched the program, when we opened up the Best Fleets nominations. And we were talking about publicizing some different things and it came up that maybe we should do like a feature article in the Truckload Authority. And, um, you know, the, we were talking to Debbie Sparks at TCA, and she's like, oh, you got to have some pictures of you in the backyard and some pictures uh, in the pool and stuff. So the reason for that is that we generally work remotely. We work from home, and in the summer we have a pool, and we're often talking about going out and uh, hanging around the pool and doing stuff. And, this and working we do a lot by of our, the pool. We work by the pool. And there's also a great place for us to go and sort of, Uh, Get everything away from us so that we can think about some things you're floating around a pool You're not taking calls. You're not looking at email, you know, you're basically doing nothing. So it's like a sensory deprivation tank. So TCA they they take great enjoyment in that they find it endlessly entertaining Uh, Debbie and uh, and Marley at TCA. So they're always asking us about it and a couple of years ago they sent us some blow-up rafts um, as a gift, um, sort of at the end of the Best Fleets program. It was like a thank you kind of thing. They sent us these blow-up rafts. So we've had these things. Except
0: that they were back ordered and we never got the oh, rafts. it took like a year for us to yeah, actually Yeah, and it was them. in the middle of winter. So
1: we finally got them in like February. So we're outside with these boxes of these rafts, showing them, yep, we're all ready for summer well, now. With iced-over so pool. So then when uh, summer came, we opened the pool, and we were using these rafts. And, and they're fantastic. They're great to float around. In they've got drink holder and all kinds of things. Uh, they've even got a canopy, so if you don't want to be like in the direct sun, you can have some shade there. Um, so when it came up that we were going to do this article, Debbie's like, "Oh, you got to have some pictures out by the pool with the rafts." And I think they wanted pictures of us floating around in the pool in the rafts. Uh, but there's only so much we can. Uh, You know, subject everybody to
0: (laughs) reminding everyone that we're not the most beautiful people. (laughs)
1: So yeah, we have these pictures of us sort of standing on the rocks by our pool, and one raft in view there. And uh, I think there and our surly children, yeah, with the kids who are clearly not that happy about being. They were not. They did
0: not want to. They did not want to get their picture taken.
1: So that's the story of uh, of what's going on. And they give a, a lovely caption in there about how we always make time to. Uh, have quality time with our children or something like that. <laughs> with
0: the surly children. No yeah. one really wants time with them. They, they, they want to go to their rooms and play on their computers. And
1: I think they mocked us when they saw that caption and I saw that they picture. I
0: think they so, did.
1: Yeah, so that's been a lovely experience but it is a good uh, it ended up as a good article that's out there and uh, does sort of give a little bit more of a picture of uh, what our, our lives are like um, running the Best Fleets program, building new courses and trying to balance all of these things as well. And also trying not to kill each other when it's busy. Um,
0: well, the other thing that we do um, that pool, and have to say that in Canada, it we have a really weird pool culture because there's only th- really three months that we can use the pool. <laughs> so yeah, no. is it uh, what is it?
1: We open it in May,
0: end we, of May.
1: Uh, well, only last year because we were late booking it, but we've generally opened it in mid, like the first half of May, and it's good so until end of I'll, September.
0: June, July, August. Okay, still.
1: Four and a half months. Four months,
0: months, not even half the year you use this thing.
1: Well, for the, yeah, not half the year, that's for sure. Uh, Once Labor Day comes, then, you know, the kids don't want to look at it. It just seems like old news. Nobody wants to go in. But we do get a good four months out of it, for sure. Yes, and
0: we get a good four months. I will say that. But it is weird in Canada because it's like everybody. because it's so cold for so much of the time, unless you're in BC. But it's so cold that, you know, everybody's sort of waiting, waiting, waiting for that well, May-long not weekend. Well, here in Ontario.
1: <laughs> Southern Ontario, it's pretty, pretty reasonable from early May, usually. You,
0: no, well, not lately. Lately, yeah, it's, been it's, so been, it's been sort of extending. Like, it starts later, and it and yeah. extends later. So, but by May. Everybody is sort of like, okay, let's get outside now. Wait for it to be warm so we can get outside. And, you know, what is 10 degrees in Fahrenheit? That
1: would be 50.
0: Yeah, so as soon as it hits 50 50 degrees, degrees. everybody's out in shorts.
1: (laughs) Which is is also why if you're trying to get a hold of people or book something with Canadians in the summer, good luck on that.
0: Yeah, Yeah, nobody's doing anything in the summer, especially on a long weekend.
1: July and August, you're always going to have... You know, basically, twenty percent of any workforce is on holiday any week of the summer
0: because so. that's it. like it, it, unless you're flying out somewhere, your hot days yeah. are those although sh- I
1: guess it's it's no different in the uh, in the Midwest and in the north, like all of the Minnesota, Wisconsin people they have the same thing,
0: except I think it's different because it's easier it's. It, it's easier to get to the warm places. Yeah. Like they can jump in on a the plane States. For yeah. In the States, there's another state that is maybe close to you. So yeah. if you're in New York and you can get to Florida a whole lot easier, yeah. you're not crossing the border. You're not yeah. doing any of that. So when people to go, unless they are snowbirds and go all the time, but when you're just going for a family vacation, it's a big deal because you're going to another country. Mm, that's true. So it's, uh, it is slightly different and it's, And I've heard people kind of think it's weird the way that, uh, basically how we approach cold and warmth. And I was saying to somebody on the Best Fleets, one of the Best Fleets interviews, who does get snow, but not very much. I can't remember which company or what state. That's all I remember about it. But I was talking about all the different winter wear that I have, like all of the different seasonal jackets and footwear and stuff, because Canadians have, like, we have so many different. So there's really super cold. Mm -hmm. There's normal cold. Normal cold. There's, you know, a little bit too hot for a winter jacket. There's, you know, a little bit, you know, and then it goes down in these sort of grades. So I have like seven different jackets that are just for warmth. They're not for fashion. It's just, you know, you have your main winter coat, you have your raincoat, you have, you know, a light jacket, you have, uh, light winter jacket, light summer jacket It just goes on from there it's like, And
1: it will change wildly In yeah. the spring and in the fall you could be wearing shorts one day and winter coat the next day
0: I know, so you always have to keep the mittens out Until like June Just keep them
1: out all the time Yeah,
0: right. and I'm constantly thinking Oh, it's August, I should probably put the mitts away <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, two weeks later Damn, I need the mitts again
1: Yeah All right
0: Okay. This is not anything that you wanted to talk about. Seasonal difficulties in in Canada.
1: Well, it all sort of flows into it.
0: Does it? Okay. But see,
1: this is why, bringing it back to the topic, this is why that picture of us at the pool is so perfect. Because you know we kind of suffer through the winter mm-hmm. so that we can get to the pool in the summer and enjoy it. And then we basically work outside all summer. And we did submit some pictures of us working outside by the pool, but they yes. didn't get used.
0: They wanted family pictures. Yeah. Unfortunately, they didn't realize that our family was not photogenic <laughs> <laughs> or cooperative. <laughs> yes. Um the other thing that I wanted to mention about the pool is that when we are having difficulties with, uh, you know, challenges come up, we will often go and just lie around in those floaty things that the TCA sent us. Yeah, and talk about it. Yeah, so That's but where we'll our do stockholder the stockholder
1: meeting happens. Exactly.
0: And it's really good because You know, people don't go out in their backyards very much during work days in our neighborhood. So it's really quiet. No no one's blasting any music or anything because people aren't outside. Um, And we sort of get it to ourselves. And if we turn on the waterfall, because we have Mm -hmm. a waterfall, because Mark loves waterfalls, then it's even better because then you really don't get any street sounds at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's... Uh, and it's, it's been a great way to think through some issues and some some good ideas have come out of it I mean, there's been mm-hmm. a number of things that we've looked at and including sort of including this about
0: it. Didn't we yeah, talk this, about the podcast podcast in the pool? came
1: about as a uh, as an idea we We're sitting around there and you decided that we had to do it and I was like oh. you brought it up
0: I'm going to blame this on you because you said oh, you know what maybe we should do a podcast and I was like Yeah, that's a great idea like I no. remember
1: reading an article about podcasts because I didn't even know they were still a thing and you said, oh, we should do one. Yeah. And I groaned because it just seemed like one more horrible thing to add on to the list. But yeah. it's turned out okay. Yeah. It's fun. We love doing the podcast. <laughs> As you can tell by how timely we are with our releases. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> we're not bad. We're we're holding to it. Uh, over Christmas is rough. Um,
0: over Christmas is tough, yeah.
1: Yeah. Over the break is rough. And, and this is an insane time of year mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and... I will use that as a segue into what's happening with the Best Fleets program. Well, so we have winners. We
0: have our top twenty. Yes, yeah, so we have finished
1: the scoring, which is
0: which was tough this year because
1: man, everybody yeah, everybody really brought their A game. Yeah.
0: Oh man! And so we had to keep on changing categories because it wasn't really well, not couldn't really categories,
1: but changing what constituted a certain score in a different within way. a category. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So. And and what happens is we put all of these things together, and we talked about this a little bit on the last podcast. We put all of the results together, and we look at all of the answers for a particular question. And this year, there were 69 fleets that made it through into the finals. So we've got to look at... Now, we have split them up in between the people that are doing sort of the regular version of the questionnaire and the people that do the contractor-specific version for all the contractor fleets. Um, But there was still 60-odd fleets that had done the regular questionnaire that we had to look at all of their answers 60 odd answers to a question and then score them based on that so it's a real grind uh is probably two and a half to three full days of both of us just going through it and it was like 45 minutes for each question to grade it so after you've gone through that and there's like Fifty or sixty questions that we were grading, and then you have to go back because then you start second guessing yourself. Mm -hmm. And what you score points you give somebody at the end of that list are not the same as what you do at the beginning. So you got to go back up to the top again and review it and check that all the ones that are one point really are consistent, and all the ones that are two points or something else. So it's a it's a bit of a grind. And then after all that's done, then you got to pull it all out put it into the giant spreadsheet where Well we going
0: but like just to interrupt you, going back to how we score it, you also have to decipher some of the <laughs> answers.
1: Which is amazing. Even after we've interviewed them to follow up and get that information, there's still some of them that you look at it and it's like what, what the heck exactly are, they are you
0: doing? <laughs> I don't yeah. think you're actually doing anything, but you've got a lot of nice language in there that's yes. describing it beautifully. <laughs>
1: there are some people that had yeah paragraphs and paragraphs and yeah. stuff that amounted to very little.
0: So we are going to uh, put a character limit yeah. on these questions now because some people can write an entire screen full. Yeah. like like so my screen is pretty big and really I have to, I still have to scroll down to read the entire answer and none of those questions really deserve that much Well, and some of them
1: just add on to it every year. Yeah. They don't update it, really. They just sort of they tack say, on the new so stuff. So in
0: 2011, we did yeah. this. In 2012, <laughs> all, we did this.
1: The stats on what they did four years ago. but yeah, we, It's you know. like,
0: yeah, you know what? We should only so go back three We need years. to streamline
1: that a little bit. So well, we're we should going tell to, people
0: that's what we want them to do. We're also just going to...
1: Yeah, so we're going to be cleaning that up. But we went through that process, pulled it all out, put it into the giant spreadsheet where we have to... Um, add up all of the scores, but then control for a whole bunch of different factors. So controlling for things like, um, satisfaction rates and, and how many surveys we actually got from the drivers, because if we have more driver surveys, then we have higher confidence in the numbers that we're seeing. So that counts for something looking at things like, uh, the retention score and, controlling for whether the fleet hires new entrants where you tend to get more turnover, whether they do flatbed work, um, things like that, and uh, whether they're Canadian or U.S. fleets, because all of those things influence the turnover numbers. So after figuring out all of that stuff, then we come up with the uh, overall scores and sort of it always takes a few passes because the first time you look at it, it never passes the smell test. You always look at it the first time and it's like, there's some people at the top here that really aren't doing that much. So how did they make it through? And you have to go back and sort of revisit the weighting of different categories and make sure that it make sure that it's something that you can defend and something that just makes sense based on the data that you've collected. So we have done all of that. And as I said on the last podcast, that is the most terrifying week for me because I'm always afraid that I'm missing something or that I've done it wrong or something, but I've gone through it. You've gone through it, had a look at it, and you approved. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, we won't say anything about the top 20 or the overall winners beyond that. Yeah, I'm
0: not even... Um, we're going to start giving out hints tomorrow.
1: Yeah, so by well, the time this comes out, the hints will have started. Um, the The top 20... And the Fleets to Watch will be announced at the end of January. January 31st. Yeah, so that is uh, a big chunk of work that is finished and now off our plate. So we're very happy about that. And then it kind of calms down for a bit because there's things we have to do in prep for the TCA convention in March. But the convention's at the end of March this year. So we've still got more than two months until that. So putting together the results book, um, prepping for the award presentation at the convention... Um, getting all the sponsor stuff sorted out. And I assume that we'll be doing a breakout session again as well. So getting that uh, put together. So we actually have got a few weeks where we can sort of calm down um, and not sweat it too much before we have to ramp up with the next round of craziness for that. So we actually get some time to catch up on all of the other work things that we're doing. So new courses that you've been talking about. um, Got a bunch of new uh, system features, learning management functions, uh, coming as well. Um, the biggest one being the whole driver survey thing, um, that we, I don't know if we even have talked about it here very yeah, much, we have. uh, a little bit, but that's coming. Uh, so on the next podcast, we'll, uh, recap that because, uh, it will be out by that time. So I'll go through it. Um, I'm very excited by that. I think that's going to be very cool. And actually just looking at the best fleets this year, got some more ideas of different kinds of surveys that people are doing that we should be including as templates. So, well, we thought we were, with the survey, so just to recap quickly, we're going to let people, or we're going to add in the function for people to um, create and manage their own surveys within our system. So you so won't like
0: have to- So like or- Yeah, you won't
1: have to go to SurveyMonkey or something like that. You'll be able to do it, create the thing and issue it out to your drivers, any group of drivers that you like, and then track the results- typically uh like you would um and early on we thought well we should also include some sort of templates and one of them that we're going to include is the driver survey from best fleets so people will be able to use that on a regular basis and we thought about sort of standard employee engagement stuff Mm -hmm. and exit interviews but then we got some other ideas for things that people are are doing um like what well like the um the customer, rate this load, rate the shipper, customer uh, survey. So having something like that as available, um, the drivers at the end of every load, they can just sort of rate how much they liked it or, you know, what the issues were, or provide basically a survey on the experience with that delivery, which was a fantastic idea from Grand Island Express. I'll give them credit for it because I'm totally stealing it. Um, But it's a great idea to get that feedback. And they said they do it kind of like what Amazon does every time you get delivery, then Amazon asks you for your feedback. So that's a great thing, Mm -hmm. great idea. So we'll build that in there as well. Typical smile sheet type stuff at the end of training, um, you know, for at the end of orientation or at the end of a driver meeting or whatever, those kind of things. So we've got a, a, a list of about five or six different template things that we're gonna be including. And they'll be
0: able to do it on their phones.
1: Yes. So you'll be able to, to through the app. So we'll be able to, we're going to have the templates in there that are canned, but they'll be customizable. So you can change them, make your own version of them, create them completely from scratch. If you want issue them out to whatever group of drivers you like, um, also have it as public or private. So if you want something that's just out there, like a generic survey that anybody who has the link for it go to it you can do that or you can require people to log in and have it as a named survey and there's an anonymous option too so you can collect feedback anonymously and all of it runs yeah through the web and through the uh, um, through the mobile app too so it'll be a really nice way to get more feedback so it becomes rather than just a sort of a one-way training being pushed out to drivers it'd be a way to get feedback coming in the other direction. So Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be really cool. I'm looking forward to it. It's shaping up very nicely. Uh, I've got to do some more testing on it tonight and make some changes, um, sort of document some of the changes I want on the interface side of it. But I think it's going to be very cool. Excellent. And then um, just because you have to keep things interesting, you know, We decided uh, before Christmas as well, because we weren't busy enough as it was, we decided we needed to overhaul our website.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I did. That's why I was so tired at Christmas, because you were making me work on a website.
1: Yeah, so I had this idea. That you, had it,
0: your, you had it locked in your skull, and you were doing the, no, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right. And well, was it like, wasn't Okay, fully Mark, formed. how do we guess what's in your head? I
1: had a partially formed vision of what I wanted to see, but I really couldn't. Finalize. I really couldn't uh, solidify it until I started seeing some different ideas.
0: Yeah, you only saw what you didn't want.
1: (laughs) So poor Kevin was like coming up with these mock ups and these different designs, and they all looked really nice. But it's like, yeah, that looks great, but not for us. You know, but that's not right or that's not going to work. So um, then Jane got uh, saddled with that for a while, uh, having to try and figure it out.
0: And And I'm better at it just because I've been doing it for 20 years. Well, and also
1: you'll say, no, you can't have that. (laughs) (laughs) You'll tell me I'm wrong. My opinion is wrong. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's the beauty of our relationship is that you're just wrong and I'll tell you. (laughs) Well, it
1: clarifies the things. So you do need to have some discussion back and forth on some Mm -hmm. of that stuff. Um, And I
0: really haven't had much input onto the other websites. I just, it's just not been in scope for me, yeah. so this, is, I think this is the first time that I've really been involved in it and, and yeah. what gets put on there and some of the images and things like that.
1: Well, and it's funny when you start thinking about it, like websites now, corporate websites now are so different than they were 10 years ago. You know, 10 years ago, you would have this whole hierarchy with all of these menus of these different things, and you have very little bit of oh, content on each page, yeah. right? So the, the step number one was create the site map that was all of this different hierarchy. We've got the company block and 15 different sections under there and products, services and support and all of that stuff. And people don't do that now. They have one page that is like everything related to the product, and it just scrolls endlessly. And then they have another page that is maybe something about the company or something else or a press room or something like that, and um, and it scrolls endlessly. Hey, but wait a
0: minute. When websites first came out, and this was like 1994 maybe, when the first websites were built, didn't mice have scroll wheels? I don't uh, think they did. No, they
1: didn't. So but also, at the time,
0: you wouldn't want to. When you design the website, you wouldn't think about the scroll, whole scroll thing, because that wasn't something you did. You would no, have to go and like click the mouse and actually, and that was nowhere near or as use easy. the page
1: down function. But at the same time, no, that, that was would the have whole been the idea whole of. Things being above the fold and below the fold, it was still in that. That's
0: right. That above and below, you didn't want to have anything important below.
1: Well, that was, yeah, taken from the print world where above the fold was where your your valuable stuff was. And you could have above and below, but it was basically two halves. So you wouldn't have much more than a page worth of content. Anything more than that, people thought it was too
0: much. Yeah, because you'd have to you'd have well, to actually go to and scrolling. hit that that scroll bar with your mouse and be able to yeah. you know get it to into the position. So everybody did the menus at the top because you could click really easily on the thing you wanted, and then you get the important information yeah. about that thing. Ah, it's and people didn't scroll. So cool about when you think of the history of how. Technology has developed, like websites, totally mm-hmm. different. Like you, from the before time when you had the whole, what was that nasty GeoCities garbage with all the yeah. flashy? Well, that
1: was in the mid nineties. Yeah, 90s. those are
0: the first ones that people were doing personally. But the the sort of Amazon dot com, and that was later than the mid nineties. But that sort of um, the e-commerce type, like Mm -hmm. people were starting to put stuff online. It was all menu-driven.
1: Well, and...
0: And people then started learning that, oh, the top left is really where all the important things should go. But, all you know, you need to use the top right as well. Well, and back
1: then, all of the websites were all the three-column kind of layout. Where you had sort of a a left side menu or a menu across the top and you had some content in the center. And then you had sort of your breakouts or your deal of the week type stuff on the right side. I mean, we had some of those, you know, in the mid 2000s. That's how people were doing it. we had. But you just uh, kind of reminded me of something else that the other thing was people didn't show their product. You know, and it, you still see this little bits now oh, where you where go to corporate. Oh, where people that you
0: have to call to where get you've a you've got a couple demo. paragraphs
1: of text and that's it. You don't see any pictures of the product like in the software world. In the physical products, everybody's showing those. But in the software world, um, people didn't show it. They would have a few paragraphs and everybody's reading from the same book on solution selling and how to pitch the, the value proposition and the benefits. So that's all they're doing is giving you all the benefits But then you're just like, well, what what does the actual thing look like? How do I get to this thing? Yeah. And, you know, you could never find out pricing. And even now, a lot of vendors still won't show you the pricing. Um, The more successful programs do that. So if you go to something like, um, you know, you go to any of the sort of commercial stuff like, Basecamp or slack or even twitter and facebook and all of these kind of things you can find pricing really easy it's all over the place but it used to be that it was a nightmare finding pricing
0: but i think it's when it's it depends on how your sales force is uh working so if you don't want to have a sales force so you want to have a minimal sales force mm-hmm. like us and like places like twitter and yeah a lot of like, the if you want stuff. it to be self-serve like that's really you know you come to us and then you get what you want you don't have to talk to anybody then that's going to define how your website goes but if you want if you want to encourage people to talk to someone at your company then you don't put as much information on and you put a whole lot of things like call us here you can call us online you can do this you can this but here's how you contact us we do the opposite we do the here's all our information, if you want it, then, you know, just do this.
1: Well, and if you go to large enterprise sites now, like Oracle is one of the sites I was looking at when I was kind of designing it, and even Salesforce, that have become more enterprise, larger enterprise vendors. Yeah, their whole model is based around a sales rep guiding you through a complex sales process. And they're paying for that sales rep through the license fees and all of that other stuff. So they want you to be contacting that person. But... The vendors that service more of the smaller uh, business or the consumer, the cost they have to keep the cost down. So if you're going to something like Shopify. Or, uh, or some of the other ones that i was looking at zendesk and uh, um vend that are all sort of or even square all of these ones that are designed for small business and to a large extent that's our model as well as we deal with sort of the smaller uh smaller fleets and smaller customers and so you have you want to keep the cost down but these people also want to do more of it on their own um and you don't yeah, you don't want to have the cost of an expensive sales rep tacked on to the license fees because mm-hmm. that eats into it way too much.
0: Exactly, you want
1: the revenue to be put back into the product. So, well,
0: sometimes it depends on what you want to do. If you want to have that, the sales, uh, the sales centered. Um cost structure that's fine but we can't well it, ca- it costs way yeah. too much and the sales cycle is way too long for well, our business that. and
1: at the same time it shouldn't be required like it's one thing for oracle they're selling complex databases and enterprise resource management or ibm people like that
0: or rack space uh,
1: you're not buying like yeah. off the shelf yeah you need a lot of people to do sort of consulting before that sale can happen but training, it should be pretty simple. You shouldn't need a lot of that. So we shouldn't need a complicated sales process and dedicated sales reps to explain to people what an online training system is. It's a library of courses, it's a back end management system, and it's customer service. And those are basically the three pillars of any good e-learning system. So it shouldn't take a lot of complexity in the sales process and shouldn't really need a sales rep to do it. So um, yeah, they're very different models and very different approaches, but In the old days, you know, in the mid-2000s and before, there really wasn't the facility to do that kind of self service. Yeah, you can't... There was none of these business-to-consumer type uh, e-business or e-commerce applications. So there was no Zendesk and Shopify or... uh, Who's the other Canadian one that's really popular? I can't remember the name right now. Um, But it's... um, There's a bunch of these ones that... um, have become uh, very popular serving small businesses or like etsy and or ebay like that uh, even e- yeah ebay was one of the ones well that that was made one it was one of the really first easy.
0: one that made it an amazon easy
1: marketplace it made it really easy for small vendors do, to sell stuff
0: yeah because for a long time it was not easy to do e-commerce at no. all like having credit cards through your website was there was no way that you were doing that without a lot of effort and so now we can do it ourselves, but we had to go through well, a third you, yeah. party f- for a long time. Oh wait, well, I mean, a was... lot of
1: people go through uh, PayPal now. Who, who yeah, did most of the Yeah, PayPal wasn't around in
0: in ninety five.
1: They were just getting going. Yeah. And, yeah.
0: But that was, and I remember when PayPal was, I thought that was kind of like out there that I would never use something like that, you know? And it was also it was the same thing, you know, when people had debit cards, when those were introduced, and I was kind of hesitant to, like, oh, well, I'm not was, sure. Like,
1: the thing about PayPal is.
0: I'm okay with money, but I mean, I'm okay with technology, but when it's <laughs> regarding money, I'm a little bit more. I well, don't know. PayPal's
1: early audience, like a lot of new technologies, uh, tended to be the more questionable part of the internet. People <laughs> That weren't getting e commerce through traditional means. So, you know, porn,
0: you, you mean porn. You have to
1: hand it to the adult <laughs> services industry that they continue to be the forefront of technology it's adoption. That's true
0: because they push those boundaries, man. Bandwidth, they do. Yep. You know, high
1: bandwidth uh, connections, uh, e commerce, yep. and, and ad networks as well. A lot of what we do for like the foundation for what Google does with AdSense and AdWords. Was built on the adult industry and their affiliate networks, trying to um, pass uh, leads from one to another. So, got to hand them credit for that.
0: Yeah, you, you don't know. think about that when you think about the history of the internet.
1: Well, Thank history of porn. History of technology in general. <laughs> yeah, owes a lot to, to yeah, that. Yeah,
0: well, okay. I'll, you know, uh,
1: video, home video? Absolutely. <laughs> so.
0: It, you know, these things, just, it doesn't come to mind so quickly for me.
1: Well, I I see a lot of people. <laughs> well, particularly for PayPal. What I find interesting about PayPal is I heard of it through, you know, people were talking about it as a way, you know, for the adult industry to get some of the, get that attention. Uh, get that a- revenue. Attention and, and I have a way to charge because the other part of it is that nobody wants those sites showing up on their credit card bills. Yeah, exactly. So PayPal was a good intermediary. And I noticed them, so I didn't really know much about them until they started to become mainstream. And then I'm like, oh, that's interesting. They're becoming a mainstream thing. And then it, it just sort of took over. And then when eBay bought them, it just became this huge thing. Yeah. But, uh, they've done, they really did nice work in terms of uh, building an infrastructure that people can use for reliably, reliably, have charging cards and for you to reliably give your card information to without having to worry about it ending up in the wrong hand yeah
0: and smaller companies can use it yeah um, without worrying too much about it so you can you can pay for a service through pay, through paypal where that service or like the company who provides the service if they're using paypal You have, there's a trust there. So, you know, even if you're dealing with a smaller company, if they're using PayPal, you're not thinking, okay, you're, you know, all my credit card numbers are going to go off to, to, you know, Iran or something. Well, it's
1: that intermediary that gives you that a little bit of extra uh, trust or comfort level. Mm -hmm. Um, And it happens with a lot of different things. It's the same kind of thing when you're buying something through Amazon or you're buying something through eBay you've got that third party there that can be a mediator if yeah. there's a problem. So PayPal has done that nicely and Square is the other one that I always love. I don't see them too much now, but when I travel a lot, uh, when I travel a lot, I see uh, a Square all over the place with different things and uh, it's, really, it's really an interesting uh, piece because all of the independent cab guys have now got something that they can use for, doing, for handling credit cards. So like here, if I'm traveling, if I get a cab in, in Toronto, it may be somebody with the old credit card machine, the old chunk of yeah. the thing that you got to put the card in. And, and
0: they hate doing that.
1: Yeah, they give you a lot of grief about it. But when I'm traveling in the US, most of the cab people I see are using Square. So they've got an iPhone and they've got a little Square thing plugged into it. You swipe your card and you just you sign it virtually on the uh, on the iPhone or the Android device. And like within seconds, the receipt is emailed to you. So that, I think, is the coolest thing, that they hook into the credit card and somehow know what your email is. I guess it' because I have email attached to that credit card account, and I get an email on it. So I don't have to enter an email address or anything like that. The card company has it already, and Square just taps into that. So uh, it's a beautiful service. Mm-hmm. works really nicely. So yeah, it really democratizes that kind of functionality that everybody can have. Uh, access to it now so uh, and I guess that kind of coming back to our website that's part of why it takes as long to overhaul it as it does because it isn't just slapping up new pictures it's taking advantage of sort of the latest best practices and responsive designs that it works for everybody but building in things like calculators so people can figure out their own pricing Mm -hmm. and trial management and all of that other stuff so all of these things that people need to do are all Included uh, there in one place, even though it is basically a four-page website. Yeah,
0: that just <laughs> scrolls know. on and on. But yeah,
1: there's ten pages in each of those pages. Yeah, so. but so anyway, um, that's what's happening. The new website should be out. Uh, uh, that'll be out by the end of this month. I don't think that's really exciting news for anybody but us. And at this point, it's only exciting because we, we want to finish the project and be done with <laughs> we it. We
0: want it to be and done. Be able
1: to move on. Will um, we be done? Yeah, and I think we're about ready to wrap up. You got anything else to go nope, through? No, I'm good. And uh, yeah, our soundtrack music had already cued us. I know, so all off. of those
0: people were like, okay, can we be done? Yeah. We so can be done now. We
1: can be done now. We
0: can. So goodbye. Goodbye. And uh, check out our our Truckload Authority article, and hopefully we will see people at the convention. Yes. In March, at well, the hi. end of March. Have a Bye. great day. <laughs>